Yes, absolutely. I just have to wait till this is done. You know? No, like, like next week I can think about it. Um, I'm going to take my friend who saw, um, I saw Mount Papa. Yeah, because it's in the same little theater, isn't it? So I'll let you know when I'm done. Because this is the world premiere. Well, don't, I don't want to know anything about it. Yeah, don't. <laughs> I don't want to know anything. I want to go in. Yes. And then we can have drinks and talk about it. See, this is the whole thing. Hello. Yes. Then I want the backstory. Okay, everybody, good afternoon. Thanks for coming out, pre-drinks. Um, it is 4.01, so I'm gonna go ahead and begin. Welcome to the session, Sharing the Stage with Theaters and Schools. My name is Ani Simmons, and I'm the Education Programs Coordinator at the Sixth Floor Museum at Dealey Plaza uh, in Dallas, Texas. So I didn't have to come too far. It's only three hours, and for Texas, that's really not far. Um, I've been at the Sixth Floor Museum since 2012. Before that, I was a middle and high school teacher for 15 years, and I'm gonna introduce our panel um, of amazing ladies that all happen to be wearing navy. Um, so Morgana Wilborn is sitting to my left. She is the Director of Education at the Dallas Theater Center, and she's been a theater teacher in K-12 formal education uh, before she started working with the Dallas Theater Center um, and became the director of education. And Susan Reno is to her left, and Susan is a nationally board certified educator with the Dallas Independent School District. She has been in K-12 education for 27 years. That is, that is amazing. And at multiple, different, at multiple school districts in the Dallas area, and has been the district and regional coordinator for National History Day for the Dallas region um, for the last 10 years. Um, Nancy Schaefer is not with us, but she will be coming to us through the magic of video. And uh, she is with the Dallas Children's Theater. She um, has been with the Dallas Children's Theater almost since its inception in 1984. Uh, her mother recently passed away, and so she videoed her portions, and we're gonna get to, to hear from her as well. Um, so I, I want you to think about a couple of things before we begin with the presentation, because we're gonna kind of revisit this a little bit. Um, so the first thing I'd like you to think about is um, a, an event that happened when you were in school that was very, um, made a big impression on you. Um, so Morgana, what's something that maybe in your elementary, middle, high school that made a big impression on you? Um, as an example. Yeah, I'm going to date myself as a very young person, but 9-11. Okay. <laughs> right. And Susan, what is something that maybe, as an example? Okay, I'm the old person on this panel. I can remember when Martin Luther King was shot. Okay. 
right. remember JFK being shot. Okay. So for me, it might have been the Challenger disaster um, or the Oklahoma City bombing happened my first year of teaching. So if you have the, something big in your mind that happened when you were a kid, now think about something that happened that you only know about because somebody in your family or a friend told you about it, so an adult. Uh, for me, that would have been living through the Depression with my grandparents, uh, lived through the Depression, and what that was like. Morgana, something that? Everything that Susan just said, that was her actual experience. <laughs> JFK, MLK. <laughs> Aren't you glad we have a variety on this panel? Uh, my father is a World War II veteran, and he's still living, so uh, I've been able to share a lot of stories with him and his adult. So the next thing I want you to think about is the big thing for your location, the big event, the big theme that you try to interpret for your um, location. And I want you to try and hold that in your mind as we're going through talking about what we did for um, the Sixth Floor Museum and then we'll be able to have you talk a little bit about how you can maybe make that application to those big events, those big things, um, to your location, no matter the size. So I do work at the Sixth Floor Museum, and uh, we chronicle the assassination and legacy of President John F. Kennedy. Um, here's something very interesting that a lot of people that are not from Texas will find shocking, and even maybe from Texas. Um, the event of the assassination of the 35th president does not appear in any single Texas state school social studies standards. It is not a requirement in Texas for a teacher to teach the assassination of President Kennedy that took place in their state. Just going to give you a minute to let that sink in. And what, for you educators, that would imply if you were in my shoes. So this makes my job just that much more difficult because there's no connection to the state standards that is directly tied to the assassination. Now, how many of your states um, teach the Lincoln assassination, right? Everybody's, everybody teaches. Texas teaches the Lincoln assassination. But they, Texas does not require teachers to teach the Texas, uh, the, the assassination that took place in Texas. Um, so you can imagine that my job is made a little bit more difficult in that respect. Um, we have, this whole building is not ours. This is the uh, former Texas School Book Depository. Um, we only have the top two floors of this building. The exhibit is on the sixth floor, and that seventh floor functions as a multi-use space. So anything that we would do has to also figure out if there's an exhibit on set, a temporary exhibit on the seventh floor. Is there a rental event happening? Is there another education program going on? So for space issues, um, we have tried to be very, had to be very creative. So we have education issues, or education constraints, and we have physical constraints that the museum has to contend with, and not just where ed education is concerned, but our physical constraints. We only have two floors of this building. This book building is a uh, Dallas County Administration building. So the first floor of this is the commissioner's court. It's the seat of county government. The second floor has the commissioner's offices, and three, four, and five are other county offices. So we only have two, uh, six and seven. So you can imagine that thinking about museum theater, like I saw at AASLH in Louisville, and my first ASLH in uh, Louisville in 2015, 
the Fraser Museum has this great little theater where there's regular theater programs going on, and that was a really wonderful idea to me, and I thought, there's no way we can do that. But how can we create a dr this dramatic event and bring it to schools or bring students to us? What is a way we can have theater? Um, we have over uh, 400,000, on average, 400,000 uh, people that come to the museum every year, and only about 5% of those people are local school kids. So we also have the challenge of engaging the local community, the local education community. Uh, one way that we were able to do this uh, was because of a great partnership, a community partnership that we, um, that we formed on, in an um, institutional way with the Dallas Theater Center. In 2015, the museum was contacted by the Dallas Theater Center to discuss an institutional partnership that would support their run of the multi-award winning play All the Way by Robert Schenken. Now, if you haven't seen this, um, just briefly, you might have noticed this kind of last night if you were at the LBJ Library, this concept, because this play deals with the 11-month accidental presidency of LBJ. So from the assassination of the moment of the assassination of President Kennedy on November 22nd, 1963, through his reelection, his election um, in November of 1964. And the really big things that happened during that year. Um, Dallas Theater Center came to us and said, we're, we're doing this play, let's figure out how our institutions can work together. So this was a great thing. Um, and I'm gonna let Morgana talk a little bit as I kind of show some uh, slides of the, what the, the play looked like in Dallas Theater Center. But talk us, to us a little bit about the education partnership and what Project Discovery is. Yes, so um, we were very lucky to work with the Sixth Floor Museum, um, the Sixth Floor, and of course, Ani rolled out the red carpet for our schools um, and for us. Uh, a little bit about um, project discovery, and then I'll go back into the process of how we made it all work, and Ani will chime in with that. Uh, project Discovery is a grant-funded program. It's our flagship program that has been around for 30 years, this, we're going to our 31st year, and we celebrated 30 years with 30 schools um, this past year. Um, I believe when we did um, All the Way, we had a few more <laughs> during that time. Like yeah. So what is the program? Yeah, with the program, we have students who come in from every area of DFW, Dallas proper, and they're able to experience a pre-show workshop, the production itself, a stay late conversation, and teachers are able to attend, uh, we have five shows that they attend per year, um, have teacher development workshops before each show, and all of this is free. So imagine teachers getting teacher development, students getting development through workshops and working with artists um, and scholars, and being able to get free tickets to a theater throughout the year for free. And what we like to do is, we're not preparing theater makers, we're preparing future patrons, artists, and thinkers, which is why it's so important to work with outside entities, outside of um, arts and entertainment. Uh, and we want the students to be able to learn from what is happening outside of their school community and the arts community. Um, and with Ani, we learned 
for ourselves that um, they work with uh, a younger group. So it was great to bring in older, we have high school Title I schools who apply each year. So to bring those students inside the sixth floor and grow her base even more was great. Um, before we brought our Project Discovery students in, as an institution, we went in and did a tour of the sixth floor. It was amazing. We did a complete audio tour. And usually when we're going into a partnership, uh, all of the institution is involved in some way. With the magic after that was for Ani and I in my department to figure out how to take that experience of this dynamic audio tour that anyone from the community, community can participate in and fit that into one hour with a workshop before they need to go to the show itself. Um, and did I tell you that it happens at the sixth floor before they go to our Wiley Theater, which is down the street, <laughs> so which is not necessarily close. And of course, they're coming from uh, Wills Point, Texas, or Kemp, Texas, or Carrollton, or Dallas. Everything is spread out. And we have to figure out as educators, just like any other class time, how to shrink this <laughs> together. <laughs> Um, what additional resources should we provide for our teachers who are getting professional development? Because we're getting a grant with that, and Ani will speak more on that nature. And how can we create a full experience to prepare the students for what they're going to see for the show? Because Project Discovery is all about, yes, preparing these students for the future, but setting that context before they see these shows that where they come every night. They're not, it's not a student matinee. They're mixed in with our older patrons. So we have to fully prepare the students in every possible way so they feel equipped before they walk into this room with their elders. So um, Ani, if you could let us know, what are some aspects that you had that was a great gift for our teachers? Well, so the, the thing you have on the screen is the floor plan of the sixth floor museum. And what we realized is that we couldn't do the entire tour, but the important parts of the tour were to get them a context of the 1960s. So give them context of the 60s, give them a context of the presidency, explain to them about basically what happened at the assassination, and then there's a great photo that I'm sure all of you saw if you were at the LBJ last night, the swearing in photo from uh, Air Force One. Um, I'm sure it's there. Uh, last time I was there it was. so. Um, and that's where we stopped because that's the first scene of the play is the swearing is takes place on air force one so we get them into a a mindset of what the 60s what's happening in the 60s we show them the the assassination the tragedy that happens unfolds leave them completely hanging and then they go to the and then they get on the bus and go to the play um, so I wrote that, uh, that curated tour because there was no way to do the audio tour for them. So I gave the tour in 20 minutes, uh, kind of picked, I picked parts because it, and it was very difficult to narrow down that entire section. It did. <laughs> I had to have them come and I had to rehearse with them and we edited afterwards and we, we really um, narrowed it down and, and really made it quite... Um, quite focused so that they're the kids are getting and getting some interaction too, um, to ask me questions and give me feedback. Um, so we did this and then while half of them were on the sixth floor, the other half were down 
in the space that you saw back here, which is where we had our teacher professional development, took place in the lobby of our visitor center so that the teachers would know where the space was gonna be that their kids were doing this interactive uh, program and kind of workshop and then we would switch. So there was a lot of moving kids up and down elevators. Um, and I think it was a good experience. Um, this is one of the, the schools, the Newman Smith High School. Um, this was their, uh, their tweet. Um, awesome pre-show workshop at the Sixth Floor Museum before seeing DCT all the way. The other thing at the, that I did as the teachers were leaving, they received uh, some primary sources, uh, reproduction newspapers from three different cities, it's a class set, so 30 newspapers from the weekend of the assassination, um, one from Dallas, one from Fort Worth, and one from New York City. I created uh, three pages of activities that multiple high school classes could do, economics classes, uh, English classes, so several different um, ways that your teach that the teachers that were there, the theater teachers, could engage other subject um, teachers in using this all the way and furthering that learning. Because as a former teacher, as a former Morgan, as a former teacher, we're wanting to make sure that this is not just a one-off event, that this is an extended, that they can continue to see the impact of what they saw that night both at the sixth floor and at the Dallas Theater Center um, in this play. So the, I created these activities. I gave them the theater teacher. We encouraged them to bring as a chaperone the US history teacher or a history um, department chair with them so that they are involved in what the students are learning and they are then also part of that. So this was a great uh, partnership. Um, anything else that I haven't said that you wanna, you wanna add to that? before yeah so like Ani said we had the students partake in a workshop um, so we were able to really it's the idea of merging the usual theater um, activities that the students have what we would provide and then all of the great resources that Ani put forth in this um, and it was so much effort that she put in she was there every single night I had a team she was there every night to work with our students and bring them throughout the uh, sixth floor. So when the students were in their workshop, they got parts of the script and were able to analyze it, uh, even read and act it out, and then figure out who are these characters, because in all the way there's so many political characters. And uh, we could fit so many in through the actual guided tour that Ani took them through. And along with anything that we do, we prepare a study guide, which she assisted with that providing whatever resources that we needed. So that was great to have this institution, historical institution, uh, a scholar there to provide us with information for our usual resources that we give out. And then as an extension, the creation of the newspaper set that she provided. Um, so that's what was a great, remarkable journey for the students to prepare them. And we had a lot of teachers who really felt um, a lot of heart connection <laughs> with the piece and cry during workshops and things like that, reminiscing about it, and it brought that relationship with their students before they went on to see the show. And I think the benefit to us is that we were able to expand who we were reaching. Uh, we have a lot of high school teachers that connect with us, um, but we were able to connect with theater teachers and engage them in a way that they don't think they've ever thought that they could be engaged in the Sixth Floor Museum before. Um, we were giving them ideas like, why don't you use one of our oral histories for your one-act plays? Why don't you use our story, people that you hear about in the play tonight, or people that you heard about 
um, on the sixth floor. Why don't you use them as part of a workshop, a, as an, a lesson? Um, so I think their ideas there were something they hadn't really thought of, a way to connect the um, historical resources and the primary sources, because people are primary sources, and I think um, a lot of teachers forget that oral histories can be a very big resource. So we're gonna take, let you kind of ruminate on that. I'm, we're gonna do a big question Q&A at the end if you have any questions for either of us. Um, I'm gonna, we're gonna shift to a whole other kind of um, program that, a theater program that we've done. Um, so in 2011, um, we, we worked with the Dallas Theater Center, our Dallas Children's Theater. You can see how I get these mixed up because they're the same letters and I have to be very careful when I say them which ones I'm talking about. So in 2011, before I came to the, to the museum, um, we worked with the playwright, um, Nancy Schaefer, uh, the J Dallas Children's Theater, Nancy Schaefer, and their playwright, Linda Doherty, and um, the educator at the time helped uh, write a play based on our oral histories and using our collections. So it had two actors, it had um, clips from oral histories, and it had primary sources that would come on. So it was a multimedia event. And we wrote this and got an NEH grant to do it in 2011. We piloted the program. Um, it was, uh, we thought, really successful. We had a lot of good feedback. Um, but we didn't get the implementation grant from NEH. And so this shared stories program kind of sat on the shelf. And it was great. It was a beautiful play, 28 minutes. And it told the story of the, the, sixth, of the assassination and the legacy of President Kennedy. Um, and really kind of focused on um, civil rights and civil rights in Dallas. And it was a great piece. And we did talk back after it. And it, I mean, it was a really wonderful little piece, but we kind of didn't have any way to use it. In uh, the winter of 2015, 2016, we received support from a local foundation to do a new education program. And immediately, we contacted, uh, we, we, our director, executive director, thought of this play. And it was a brilliant idea. Um, and we asked Nancy if this was something that she would like to be to revive and like to be able to do. So she's going to tell you what she thought of that. That's Nancy. Hello, I'm Nancy Schaefer with Dallas Children's Theater. And when Ani and the other folks from the Sixth Floor Museum at Dealey Plaza approached us at Dallas Children's Theater about remounting and representing our Shared Stories project, we were over the moon. We were so excited because this project directly ties to our core values, our core mission of high artistic and high educational uh, programming for the young people in our community. So we got our team back together, we got our playwright to look at the script again, and I was excited to get back on board directing. And, um, and we met with DISD and our other friends, and we were ready to go. So um, we renamed the whole project, and we called it Everyone Has a Story, because we realized that we needed to involve Dallas ISD, which is our, the school district where our museum is located. We realized that that's the audience that we needed to get because I can count on two hands the number of Dallas ISD schools that come to the museum every year before this year. <laughs> um, it's very few and it's for a variety of reasons but it still it goes right back, ties directly back to that idea that we are not in the standards. 
We are not, the assassination doesn't appear in the standards, and so, so teachers don't really think that we have anything to offer them. And this was a chance for us to say, yeah, so the assassination doesn't appear in the standards, but there's so much more that we're about. We're not just about these four days in November of 1963, we're about a lot more. And so we contacted Dallas ISD, um, we wanted to find a way to engage with them, and with guidance from their social studies department, we really realized that the 11th grade U.S. history, the students that are taking U.S. history generally take it in 11th grade, that that's the target audience because it has most of our, most of them will t have um, covered the 1960s by the end of the school year. And that's really where we live is in the 1960s. Um, and uh, the Dallas, I because of that, Dallas ISD said, we're gonna have you connect with Susan Reno, um, who I know because I'm on the re regional History Day, National History Day Committee, um, and we've worked together for many years on that, um, because she writes the curriculum for U.S. history, and so she knows all the U.S. history teachers in Dallas ISD. And so it was a really wonderful thing for me to be able to say, oh, I know her, I know she can get things done, I know this is gonna work. So in the summer, we were paired together, and we began to uh, formulate how this is gonna look. Da uh, Susan, tell us first a little bit about Dallas ISD, the student body, kind of the population, and why really 11th grade? All right, think of your own school district as I give you some statistics about Dallas. Dallas has over 155,000 students, second largest in Texas, one of the 10 largest school districts in the nation. Of those students, we have uh, 9,500 approximately 11th graders. Our ethnicity groupings, as you can well imagine, are 71% Hispanic, 22% African American, and 5% white, or as I tell my kids, the other four white kids. Uh, the rest is split between Asian, uh, Hawaiian, and American Indian students. So we have a wide diversity of students. Our SPED population, our special ed, is about 8%, but we have an 85% economically disadvantaged overall. So they can't, most of them, afford to get on a bus and go down to the museum or to a play and see those things. So we came up with some very unique ways of engaging the students. The uh, Dallas ISD social studies uh, theme, if you will, uh, for that year was the city is our classroom. And our director was adamant that learning takes place outside the four walls of the classroom that why live in an area like Dallas that offers so much culturally and then lock them down into a classroom to where they cannot go and visit these places. So he was a strong supporter of what Annie and I came up with. We decided to focus on 11th grade, which does not have any standards relating to the assassination. However, it does cover the 1960s it has a uh, Cold War. The only place it mentions Kennedy is, uh, microphone's off, isn't it? I'll just talk then. Okay, that's true. Uh, 
It covers the 1960s. The only place that it mentions Kennedy in the standards is the Cuban Missile Crisis. However, it does uh, talk about identifying major eras. Well, the 60s was kind of defined by Camelot and the Kennedys. Um, it talks about how uh, history is reflected in the various genres of art, film, theater. That's one of our standards. Uh, another one is civil rights, as I said. And then a big one is the skills standard that talks about using primary and secondary sources. And that's what the Sixth Floor Museum is all about. Uh, we really had a good time doing this, but we also had some very interesting experiences as well. So one of the things that I want to make sure, we, we were given support from a local foundation, but we were not given a, the full grant that we asked for. And I think that's important to realize, as we heard today in that wonderful opener uh, this morning, that I, I was happy to hear from that funder uh, from the Ford Foundation about the fact that he understands and he's frustrated with the whole idea of overhead and matching grants and all of that stuff. So we were given money, but we weren't given the full amount. So we had to figure out at the sixth floor, what can we afford to do? So we scaled back what, we were, what, what our plans were um, and we went to Dallas ISD with that. And Susan, what did Dallas, see if that works. We chose certain, okay. We chose certain <laughs> schools to go to, uh, predominantly the ones on the southern sector that are underserved. Many of the schools on the northern side of Dallas uh, have a lot of attention. They get a lot of extras. So we decided to focus on the schools in the southern sector. However, one of our gentlemen, who at that time was an associate superintendent, had taught at one of the schools over in Pleasant Grove. And he wanted that high school included, as well as some others. And my director said, I'm sorry, we just don't have the money. I will find you the money. Well, okay. So he donated some extra funds, I believe $6,700, 76, I always reverse those. So we could. So, so we could take this and offer this opportunity to a greater number of Dallas schools and Dallas school children. So we were excited about that opportunity to, even though our funding was scaled back, they were willing to be involved and they were behind it. And so we felt really supported by Dallas ISD, um, not only because they gave, basically gave us Susan for a whole semester, um, but they were able to financially um, contribute um, and so that was that was a pretty big deal um, not something that we would normally see in a school district um, like uh, well, one of the things I was very excited about is that we had our original cast from 2011 the two people that played the two students um, from the that were part of the 28-minute performance uh, Tasha Munoz and Lloyd Harvey they were available and very excited to do this program. And they were willing to go to all of these schools with us and present it in the schools. So how this worked is we would uh, take this program to different high schools. Um, and on this, the, the actors would be there for part of it. Uh, and then the screen was definitely a part of it. It had clips from oral histories. It had um, 
primary sources like this newspaper, it had photographs, uh, it had news footage, all kinds of things that allowed them to see the primary sources, that allowed the students, and I'm showing you all these different kinds of theaters because some of them were very well equipped and some of them were barely equipped. Um, but we used this, uh, this way of getting uh, students engaged and then at the end of the play, we were able to talk to the students and ask, let them ask us questions. Um, the, w the way that this, this whole process, the schools were chosen was from Dallas ISD and I, I would not have done that any other way. I am very glad that Dallas ISD gave us the input and said these are the schools that we really feel like need this. Um, and then we were able to, um, Susan was then able to contact this, the teachers, specific teachers at the school who she knew would be a good fit for this program to lead that. So one of the things that we did is we said, we wanna reward you for organizing because this is gonna take an organizational challenge. If you have how many 11th graders, uh, Susan? 9, yeah, 9,500 11th graders, and we're gonna see about half of those with, this, with these productions. Um, the, we went to 19 high schools, we did 21 productions, so there's some high schools where we had to do several different productions, uh, two, two shows, to get everybody in. And one of the things we wanted to do is thank the teacher for um, giving their time to organize all of the 11th graders, all of the U.S. history teachers, all the U.S. history students, to come into the, the auditorium at a specific time. That took a lot of paperwork and organization. So we said we would like you to bring your students, up to 150 students, um, to the museum. We will pay for your buses, we will give you free admission, and we want your students to be able to not just see the play, but also to see the museum and experience what the museum is about. Um, we had an, a face-to-face -face meeting with uh, a initial group of, of teachers. Um, not all of them were able to be there. It was the week after Labor Day. So it was actually this week, a year ago, that we had this, this meeting to kind of give them an idea of what we were gonna be doing, to help them understand all the things we were gonna ask them to do and the uh, support we were gonna give them. Uh, I knew for sure that Susan was the right person to help with this because within a week, she had all the teachers that couldn't be there at that meeting, she had scheduled all of them for us to meet with them at their school in one single day. Uh, she met me at one school that's very close to the museum. She said, just leave your car here, it'll be fine. She drove me around all of the schools and we went right in, got in, we saw the people, had the meeting, and we went to the next school. She even built in a lunch break at Chick-fil-A. Um, so I was like, she's a smart woman and we're gonna get along very well. Um, so. The logistics of all of this is a whole animal because you can imagine if schools are in underserved locations, not ever that all of them are gonna have great theaters. Not all of them are gonna have equipment that is able to have a multimedia presentation. Microphones were always a challenge. Um, so this is the idea was to have all of these students come to the museum afterwards. It didn't work out that way. It, not all of the teachers brought their students. We had 19 high schools. There should have been 19 groups of 150. We had nine teachers that took advantage of this. So this was, a, this was kind of sad. I, honestly, I, I was sad. 
I was sad that not all 19 teachers brought all of those kids because it meant that the kids didn't get that. Um, and so we'll talk in a minute, I, I wanna kind of wrap up the whole process. Uh, we'll talk in a minute about why we think that didn't, didn't happen. Um, but what I wanna also talk about is the play itself because um, this was taking place months, just months after the police shooting in Dallas. Um, that happened last July and we were in that, that process of organizing this whole grant and this whole pro pro project, the Everyone Has a Story project, during this time. And when we went to look at the, at the play, um, there is an image um, that's the cover image of the, of the program. And the, the person in that, Clarence Brodnax, began a 28-day civil rights protest in Dallas just months after the assassination, during the time where LBJ was trying to get the civil rights bill passed. And he talks about um, an event that happened in the oral history that clip that we show during the production. And I'm gonna let Nancy explain this whole situation because she does it very succinctly. So, when we were remounting uh, and So, when we were remounting uh, and re-rehearsing the play, as I said, we had our original cast, Tasha Munoz and Lloyd Harvey, and our original playwright, of course. It's not, the sound is not playing out of any of the speakers. Linda Darty, who is our resident playwright at Dallas Children's Theater, uh, and me, the director, we all were working on the play. And there's a section um, in the Shared Stories Project where we have a clip from a civil rights activist. Um, and he talks about, uh, in the 60s, of course, after the assassination, when he was protesting and uh, taken into the uh, Dallas County, uh, Dallas City Jail, and an encounter, a pretty, pretty violent encounter with um, a police officer, it resonated so much because this was last fall um, after the uh, police uh, ambush in Dallas last, Jan last July. And that was at a protest, a Black Lives Matter protest. And um, that protest, of course, was in response to many of the incidents that the African-American community was experiencing with police um, forces around the country. And that was, of course, a horrific and awful uh, incident in Dallas. And we realized that we needed to address um, or, or just say a little more in the play, add a statement. And so Lloyd, uh, who is an African-American um, uh, actor in the show, he and I came up with this um, uh, response that he made, not specifically about the incidents in, in July in Dallas, but he wanted to tie the idea of what the play was about, um, which was history, to current events and, of course, those of us who are um, presenters to young people, we loved that we could take this opportunity to show how important history really is um, to all of us. So I'm just gonna read what we came up with that he said. And he said this at the end of the actual play and before the talk back began with the young people. Uh, and so Lloyd would say, as we have been working on this performance, it becomes so clear to me how important it is to look to history, to see how far we have come but also how far we still have to go. 
I think that the legacy of JFK and his work in the civil rights arena started us on an important journey that sadly is still not complete. I encourage all of us to continue to discuss the stories of history and our own stories as we work to make communities the very best for every one of us. And that, of course, would lead to discussions uh, with the students in the audience, the high school students, about uh, how history did tie into current events. And um, I think there were some great, great dialogue and discussion opportunities that we, that we took advantage of. So I think you can see that we, we had to change from what we originally, several times, uh, we had to change the script from what we originally had written in 2011 because it was a very different world that we were living in since, since 2011. Um, the world had changed quite a bit. And having a, a clip of um, some violent words um, in areas of, of Dallas where they are experiencing that firsthand, we needed to make sure that that was addressed properly. So that was something that we, um, that we were so grateful for Nancy um, in giving us a creative and simple way to do that. Um, you know, having those hard conversations, and, and again, this is all last fall during the election. Um, and so that was a whole other level of conversation we had to have too. And a lot of questions after the election were, uh, were really hard, um, but good, um, because we were able to have that dialogue with the kids and show them how relevant history is, um, how that history in 1960s is to, to them today. Nancy has another suggestion for you guys um, if you're going to do this uh, attempt theater. Um, I think it's a great one, which leads us into uh, if we were to do this again. So I'm gonna let her give a minute or so. Dallas Children's Theater was very committed to this project, as I said, because it really tied in to our core mission, our core values of high quality artistic products and educational opportunities for young people. We loved this project uh, at Dallas Children's Theater because it was a way for us to reach our high school audiences. Uh, we are a professional theater. We serve a quarter of a million people a year. Many of those are students who come to our school day um, matinees, our shows, but those are primarily elementary school and some middle school students. We don't get a lot of high school students because most of our plays are based on literature that younger children read. So this was a wonderful way for us to be able to reach into a community that we often don't serve. And uh, we were also very happy to share our um, really expertise in how you can work with schools on theatrical productions uh, and how to present those. So of course, Ani um, and then Susan with DISD had to do a lot of work to collaborate with each campus and that was well, that was quite a challenge in many ways because some of these campuses were fully equipped to do a performance and some were not. Some had large spaces, some um, had spaces that were um, more challenging to work in. And we really didn't like presenting this um, show for large, large groups because we wanted to have the dialogue at the end. But sometimes we had to, sometimes we were able to do a few performances at a campus. Uh, and of course we had to deal with lunch schedules and, and well, every kind of schedule known to man. And of course those are the real challenges, but the product itself was all worth it. Um, and we would do it again. We hope to do it again. My cast really wants to do this show again. So that's a great segue, if we were to do this again. Um, Susan, if you were to do this again, what would, what would you do, what would you keep 
I, I love the keep, quit, try. I don't know if any of you, we, I used to do this to my students. What would I keep doing? What would I quit and never, ever do again? And what would we try differently? So what is your keep, quit, try for everyone has a story? Okay, I would unplug all the fire alarms. <laughs> we actually had a fire alarm in one school about the time we got ready to start, you know? Um, <clears throat> this took a great deal of commitment on Ani and my part, which we enjoyed, but also the support of our directors. Um, we had to go to each campus and check out their equipment, make sure everything worked. Some had just state-of-the-art, and then others, it's like, I think we have a projector somewhere. And there might be a screen. coming out <laughs> of the, under the theater Yeah, stage. I forgot about that. Uh, but we learned a lot doing it. One thing, a uh, couple things I would change. We did uh, do some lessons. As Ani said, I do write the curriculum for 11th grade in Dallas. Uh, I would like for us, and that's my fault, to get the lessons to the teachers in their hands earlier. Um, we also, on the campuses where I handpicked the person to follow through and do this, the program was very successful. On the few campuses where a principal or assistant principal gave me a name, yeah, not so much. Uh, so if we did it again, I would personally pick every single one that we used. Um, also, teachers are kind of notorious about putting things off. Uh, we would give them definite time frames because what we ran into was we had all the performances done by like Thanksgiving, first, first week of December, far enough in advance of the semester exams that that wasn't an issue but we didn't put a time frame on the visit to the museum. So some of them end up, oh my goodness, it's time for the test, and we haven't gone yet, so we don't have time to go. So that was a, a change I really, really think we need to do. Um, the program itself is fabulous. You can't imagine, you cannot imagine some of the uh, uh, conversations we had one of the students asked if Oswald was black, because remember, this is a, a very tense racial time in Dallas. Um, one girl knew enough to ask about the babuska lady. Yeah. Well, a lot of conspiracy um, theories, we can tell who's uh, involved and interested in those. <laughs> uh, some of the teachers, kids, and kids don't talk to teachers, they're old people, uh, but some of the teachers have very personal connections. One of the, uh, teachers, her aunt, was a nurse in the emergency room at Parkland. And then there was the other guy that was an older gentleman who actually was walked to school every day by Black Panthers up in New York. And his dad thought, ah, I got to get my kid out of here. So he sent him to Selma, Alabama. <laughs> um, the funniest one, though, I think, was we have several very young teachers, and I'm carrying on a side conversation. This young teacher says, uh, ex-military, I didn't look that old, I wanted to know what is the distance between the sixth floor window and where Kennedy was shot, former sniper, 
and he was trying to calculate could he have made that shot or not or what. And I told him I really didn't know, but you could probably find that online. And he says, I don't understand why there's so many conspiracy theories. And I kind of looked at him and I said, because nobody really knows what happened. And he honest to goodness said, didn't all of that come out during Oswald's trial? I looked at him and I said, bless your heart, you're not from Dallas or Texas, are you? And of course he wasn't, so we had a bit of an education to do. But that's what I'm saying. This touched a lot of people in a lot of different ways that probably would never have been discussed if you just went by the standards. Ani, what about you? Um, one of the things I think was a challenge that we realized late is that the grant cycle didn't give us a lot of time to prepare the teachers. And I think we would have brought the teachers in during the summer, had them picked before school ended the year before. We didn't, get, we didn't receive um, notice that we were getting the grant until, uh, until June. And so that was already, this, they were already out and uh, they were already on, on summer vacation. So um, I think if we could have had the teachers engaged several times over the summer um, and gotten feedback from them earlier, I think we wouldn't have had the only nine out of 19 um, schools coming to the museum. I think, and that, that was just a, you know, a schedule thing. There was not a whole lot we could have done about that, but I would have done something different to, to try and, and change the schedule. Um, I would have our own AV equipment. I would take it, I don't care how big it was, how heavy it was, I would bring everything we needed with me. I would absolutely never rely on a school again just because of the disparity of funding within one school district, you will have the most high-tech um, school theater and, and a theater teacher. And then the next one, there's cockroaches coming out of the theater because the state, underneath the stage, because they just don't use the, the auditorium anymore because there isn't a theater program there. So it's, it's a very wide disparity of funding and ability, and I would just have our own AV equipment. I would also want an intern because I am the entire education department and I couldn't do any of the other things at the museum, pr education programming things. That was all had to be put on hold. And I, I don't like that. I don't like to not be able to do the distance learning programs and the on-site education programs um, and teacher workshops. I want all of those things to still be going on. So I would definitely have a second person able to either go out and do the site visits while I do the distance learning programs at the museum or vice versa, somehow have another person so that we can still continue to do what we always do and not have to s basically put everything else um, on, pa on pause. I would involve the theater teachers from the very, very, very beginning because we inevitably had to have theater teachers. If there was a theater program, we had to have the theater teacher come down and tell everybody how to work the theater. <laughs> um, so I would have them come to a professional development. Um, I, I would do that from the very beginning. Um, we didn't get good feedback from teachers, and I think it's because we asked them for feedback too late in the, in the year, and they were in the middle of testing. And so while we had some, some great incidental feedback from teachers, like immediately after following the play, um, when we asked them to give us feedback later, we didn't have it. Um, and I think that was, a, um, that was a struggle for me, to not really know what impact it had. 
on the teachers because we asked for it too late. We waited too late to get them that feedback because we were hoping they would come to the museum. And when they didn't come and they didn't come and they didn't come, then we asked them for feedback. As a former teacher, I would have been embarrassed that I hadn't followed through on that, that other part. And so I would have just ignored it and like, no, I have too many things to do. I can't answer that email today. And it really was a survey monkey. So it, it wasn't like they had to face-to-face -face meet me. Um, we did have a, a meeting at the end, a wrap-up meeting, and not a single teacher showed up um, of the 19. Um, only the Dallas ISD Social Studies Department came in, in full force, and we were happy to see them. Um, but that was, a, that was, again, a disappointment because we were doing things late in the year. And I think, again, that goes back to the schedule. The whole thing was done uh, in a compressed time, and we didn't get the buy-in at the very, very beginning of every single teacher. Uh, yeah, they were excited about it, but it wasn't until the school year had already started. And I think that was one of the timing things that I would, in a dream world, would have loved to have changed. Uh, Morgana, what about your, uh, yes. our partnership? Um, Hi. Oh, for our partnership, uh, there's so many great things that happen and so many things that I would love to change. Number one, I would love to get a docent for you <laughs> because Ani had to work every single night. Um, I don't know how she survived, so if we could have added that within our funding um, as a way to have a part-time person that she could train um, so that she wouldn't have to be there every night um, some way. <laughs> um, I would also we try to figure out, the greatest thing about our partnership is that it allowed for um, students in Dallas, and there are some people from Dallas born and raised who have never walked through the doors of the sixth floor. So I never want to take away that experience. What I would have limited is the extra pre-show workshop experience maybe that we had um, that allowed the students to look at parts of the script before they go. because we didn't want them to miss out on the guided tour. That was the most important of the living history experience that they needed before they walked into the play itself. So I would have limited you know, the extra that we had. It kind of helped when we had great numbers. Um, if we could make, if we could rearrange the schedule, we had tons of problems with spring breaks, um, these are all high schools, so you have UIL, theater competition. Um, and this was my first year coming to the theater, pretty much. And I had lost my entire department uh, because they all moved on. So it was myself and then two young ladies who were fellows, and it was Ani, and we were trying to brave the way of bringing this program together. And we did in a beautiful way and had great experiences. But if I was able to do this again, I would love to have helped Ani from the beginning create a really strong schedule that didn't bring too many kids into her space um, where she couldn't function the way that she could. Um, also have where, you know, we didn't have schools having to cancel last minute because of, oh, I advanced in UIL or, oh, it's spring break or, oh, this is a religious holiday. We can't come. So uh, if we could have had a stronger schedule so that it was around the clock. Um, the next thing would be the bus situation. Well, with our buses, we, we provide buses for our schools, our 30 schools to come, and two schools share a bus. Well, pickup time isn't until our, for evening programs, until the buses have, uh, the bus drivers have done their afternoon rounds, picking up students, dropping them off. 
So it would be great if, <laughs> you know, even if you know, Ani had like a crazy event time during that time, there was tons of events um, happening at the sixth floor. So if we could have worked together, us together in advance, um, without any middlemen from the past, perhaps we could have worked out where, well, what if they had a full, you know, field trip day or something like that, where they had a full sixth floor experience, they could stop their day, dinner, go to the show, and it happened from early afternoon on or something magical like that. Um, or, you know, the most watered down version of all this is if, you know, Ani or some representative um, that we were able to create, you know, <laughs> through funding, were able to come and meet the kids at the Wiley. But where is where our theater is? But that is not what we wanted. We did not want them to miss out on this wonderful history that we have that brings so many people to Dallas anyways. Um, so those are some of the things that I would change. Definitely figure out the bus situation where buses aren't lost, <laughs> buses don't come late or you know people have to skip out on the sixth floor experience um, and just go straight to the show. Maybe we could have created you know at least a half day evening type of deal. Um, because we're also going into the teaks of history um, and they're bringing in uh, representatives from the history department. Maybe we could have worked more with history classes so that those students could come and experience it. So, so some, those are some of the things we could play with if we ever are able to have this type of experience again, just so we have more students, more schools, more teachers who can have the experience of theater and history that's right in the middle of their city. Well, I think one of the values of a program like this is the students start going home or to church and talk to the old people. You know, a lot of intergenerational conversations began to take place. Uh, I had some feedback from some teachers and students that were like, wow, you know that old guy that always sits out there in our department, uh, outside of our apartments? He actually remembers when Kennedy was shot. So it was kind of a neat thing to see them outside of the context of the four walls of a classroom learning about history. So just to give you numbers, we had, um, before Nancy kind of interjects, I want to make sure I get that in. We had um, almost 5,000 students see the play that we, um, we took to the school district, the schools. Um, we had uh, less than 1,000 students come to the museum. Uh, we had right around a thousand students, about seven, eight hundred students come to the museum uh, for the um, theater center partnership. So this is these are students we never would have seen. I, I would guarantee that I would put money on that that none of these students would ever have seen us, and we would never have seen them had we not had these partnerships. So while there are things that are cha that are challenging about these two things, I would never have not done them. Um, it's always a good a good thing. Nancy is going to tell us a little bit about, as from a theater professional perspective, what she suggests um, as you maybe consider partnering with a school district or a theater. Um, for sure. Yeah. One of the other unusual connections that kids made was Sasha, uh, the girl, got swamped at one of the schools after the performance because they recognized her voice as being one of the anime characters. 
she does voiceovers for anime. Mm -hmm. So okay. they recognized her voice. That was interesting. Okay. okay. So cool. And then finally, I would like to say that uh, to make a project. So oh, this yeah. is normal. I, I swear that the gremlins follow me wherever I go with the tech. This is nothing compared to no. Like this work, if you're going to try to scale this or replicate this or, or use an idea of using a theater group to help your museum with, um, to present uh, an idea to uh, or production to help with one of your exhibits, uh, your collections, um, I think that you need to look for professionals in the field. now. Professionals can be working with young people or with community theater folks or with uh, maybe even higher education if you get with a, with a university or community college that has a theater department. But I would just say make sure that you have folks who are interested in the educational side of theater and um, not just presenting a show but how important theater uh, is for our young people and how theater can be used to present these very, very, very worthwhile um, concepts that can tie to your to your museum and I wish you the best of luck so that leads us into the so what so what how does this apply to me how do I do I want you to bring back those three things that I had you think about at the beginning um, and especially your the, the the object of your institution uh, National History Day if you're if your uh, school district is involved at all in National History Day Find the person that coordinates at your school district for National History Day. They have to write, do a documentary. They they can do a play, write their own play. So that is a way for you to bring students in to show them primary sources, to show them a way to use your resources, your story in in make it theater. Um, we have this thing in Texas called UIL, University Scholastic um, Interscholastic League, um, which is multiple subjects and it's a competition structure. I am sure that that exists in other locations too. There's always a reason for a theater organization, whether it's a school theater or community theater, to need to write plays, one act plays, whatever. Why aren't you connecting with your theater teacher? This is the question I've, I've asked myself over the last year. Why haven't I done this before? And connecting with theater teachers and giving them material. Because we all have a plethora of material. We have a ridiculous amount of stories that we can give them and say, make a play about this character. Make a play about this event. Um, community theater. Um, a friend of mine uh, made a documentary uh, called Janie Makes a Play about his grandmother out in California, um, and I think it's Lodi. It's a teeny tiny little town. And she has for 25 years gone to the local county history museum, walked around, asked the historian what's an interesting story, and then she writes a play and the community theater puts it on. And they do it all for free, and it's a wonderful little documentary. You can get it on iTunes, but it's a great visual for your board, for your, um, your organization to see, look what this lady is doing without any real input from the history organizations. Because the story that she tells then is very dramatized and it's not really historically accurate. Um, so, and she's an adorable, she's 90 and she's been doing this since she retired because she was bored. Uh, Janie's amazing. So um, that's a really great way Community theater can be uh, high school, it can be an actual community theater. Um, but Cry Havoc is another great um, model. Cry Havoc is a new theater um, troupe in Dallas that is a theater 
professional with young people from a community college and from a high school, and they write their own plays. And they're doing, right now, they're doing contemporary uh, stories about the Shots Fired, and Shots Fired was their biggest production about Dallas, but they did it by interviewing people who were eyewitnesses. They did oral histories. So if you have an oral history program at your museum, that is a great way to then find another, another avenue, saying we have all these oral histories, do you wanna come and listen to them? Because that's how we did our play, Shared Stories. That's what our play is based on. So if you don't have a physical theater, uh, your school has to have a cafeteria, cafetorium, or a gym. It doesn't have to be fancy, it just has to be a, a place for that can hold people. Um, your historic house's porch or lawn why can't you have the stage there and have people come and picnic? I think it would be a great way to ha get them on your grounds. Um, why can't you go to different locations if you have multiple buildings on your property? Uh, I didn't <laughs> my, my thing is like, oh, you were, I was asleep. I went to sleep. So um, I'll get it to come back in a second. But. Um, Morgana, while I'm doing that, talk about Electra because yeah. this is a great, I think, example. So, oh yeah, hello hey. everyone. I'm awake. <laughs> Electra. So, uh, for Electra, what we were able to do is the piece was done all outside. All of my programming was done outside. Uh, for Electra, it's a traditional Greek play, um, which would not be used with any kind of uh, mics or anything like that. Through this unique experience, the audience was brought out of the theater, outside into our Straw Square area, and led around by actors, and everything was done on audio. So the actors, we saw them perform, but we listened through audio. Um, they were led by actors through the space, um, and it ended in you know a scene near a, a reflecting pool that we have in our AT&T Performing Arts Center space. Uh, before that, we had our pre-show lecture with uh, Kevin Moriarty, who's our artistic director of the theater, um, done outside. We had our post-show lecture done outside. All of Project Discovery was done, our uh, pre-show workshops done outside. So all of these, and they were done in different areas uh, within our AT&T Performing Arts Center space where we are resident in. Um, so that's part, you know, uh, with a lecture, you see a performance outside with actors, and you see all of the educational programming outside, and the community is able to see what's going on. Also, from an institutional point of view, I would recommend that I work with, as an education director, so many institutions with the scholars, whether it's within the education department, whether it's um, if Ani finds a scholar for me or an institution finds a scholar for me to work with, like a professor or things like that, um, that I can bring in to help me write pre-show lectures or give me content for that, that can aid me in my study guides that I give out with interviews, with research, that can aid me in um, our stay late post-show talkbacks. Uh, we just did a show entitled The Christians, and I sought out various uh, clergy members from various um, religious beliefs that would come every single night. Um, so those are the types of things that when we reach out in, to an institution, if the theatrical component may not be putting on a play, but it's also about just finding those resources of people who can speak, 
who can uh, write, who can give their verbal account to aid us in whatever we're doing. As a teacher, um, and you know, it's great to go into these institutions and think, okay, what are some ways that I can either gain knowledge, bring my students to learn. We've, I used to bring my students to um, our heritage village to hear, um, we used to call it Old City Park. I'm trying not to say Old City Park, Dallas, <laughs> Dallas Heritage Village, but um, they have oral histories there. And my students who were actors in middle school, I taught middle school for many years, they were able to see these individuals play these actors and things like that. And then we did our own account in class. So that's where you're able to have students learn about oral histories and see you know, these local living histories in the flesh or go to the sixth floor and hear it in audio. And then let's reproduce our own versions of and whatever example that we're doing. In fact, she mentioned Dallas Heritage Village. Melissa Pricer saw the play Electra and said, why can't we do this at our uh, Dallas Heritage Village around the entire um, campus with all of the characters that lived in these houses and make it a whole play. So that's where I came up with that idea. Now we've got time for questions. Anybody? Oh, gosh, okay. Um, that's a great question. They haven't yet, but it's school started. And so I am uh, gonna work with our marketing team to do some targeted emails with them this fall. Just as a specific reminder, we loved our partnership with you last year. We hope that you'll come back. We can't offer you the funding. Uh, we're a 501c3 and we really don't receive funding. This, this grant that we got uh, was an unusual thing. We receive IMLS grants for cataloging and inventory kinds of things, but we really don't receive grants for much else, as far, especially for education. And yeah. Okay. Right. So one of the things I, I had to do was um, maintain the email relationship. So I was doing emails on the weekends and and saying, you know, let's. So on Mondays and Fridays, I didn't have to go to schools. And so if I could do a distance learning on those days, that's what I was doing. And I was just having to say, I can't do distance learnings on Tuesdays through Thursdays, because um, we tried to limit our performances. So our regular distance learning people, they didn't fall off. Um, but I certainly didn't gain any new ones last year. Um, and so that was, you know, we just maintained. We didn't, we definitely, as far as distance learning numbers, we didn't really increase. Question in the back? Oh my gosh. So cool. Yeah.
Okay. Yeah, that would be, and I think, I think engaging a theater teacher mm -hmm. um, and, and connecting with the social studies coordinator at the school district, making those two connections would be the things I would say um, this school year, and maybe it doesn't happen this school year, but maybe you make the plan this school year and you engage the teacher and the, the social studies people and get them on board, the curriculum instructor. Can I um, add to that? Absolutely. I'm sorry, Arnie. That's all right. Um, when Okay. <laughs> okay. One thing that I would add that we do as a theater center is we do campus visits so we can meet the students and meet the school and meet the teachers. Just that little investment, um, even though it's a little mileage on our part, that little investment knows that we're invested in the school and we're very serious about them coming to see us. And it's really verbalizing that, hey, I'm here, I'm so glad to be here. When you guys come to our space, oh my goodness, you're gonna do this and this and that. So that's something to think about. From a school district point of view, A, it's got to connect to a standard. If you can think of something you can offer that connects to a specific standard at a specific grade, then they're gonna think it's more worth their time to bring the students there. Uh, another thought is transportation is always a big deal with us. Uh, can you find the funding to pay for buses to bring like maybe the fourth graders there? And don't forget about the uniqueness of your local history because that's part of all the kids that grew up in Dallas have heard about the assassination. Might not be correct information, but they've heard about it. So that's part of what made ours it's very appealing. Yes, ma'am. So I'll tell you that this started on the director level. The director reached out to our director. And so I think that is a, is a thing um, to, to start with because if your director goes to their director and say, we heard this great idea, we have had these great ideas, but we need some, some help to put this all together. Can we meet with the educators and the four of us kind of figure out what's, how we can do this? So I think that's why the partnership worked because we had other things that we were doing. There were public programs and conversations that we did with um, a different department and the directors, uh, the different departments. So I'm just talking about the education partnership, but it all started on the director level. So I would say start there. That's, that's my, as a history museum person. Another thought, do they ever use volunteers? Because guys, this all goes back to relationships. Can you all at the museum go volunteer in some capacity at the theater, because that's one reason why this really worked for us. 
was because Ani and I knew each other from volunteering together for History Day. But I would I would suggest that your director talk to your to start there and see if that changes the dynamic at all. Because a lot of times um, when a director goes to a director, that they'll listen. <laughs> um, educators are sadly just educators um, in a lot of people's eyes. And even though we are the, the engine that runs things, uh, and we all know that, um, I, think, I think that will get some attention. So that's my suggestion. Yes, ma'am. Well, it was in, it's interesting because the second version of that play, The Great Society, is coming out. And so they're going to do that this year. And I said, well, you know, I really, it's fell asleep. <laughs> um, uh, I really don't have much to give you where past 1964 is concerned, but you need to talk to the educator at the LBJ library, Amanda. And so I put her in contact yeah. with Amanda, and yeah. she got to go to the library today. today. And like, yeah. So yeah. I don't. You know, unless it comes up, that, that's one of, the, one of the things that's a great, now that we know each other, anytime it comes up, we're ready to go. Yeah. Um, we don't have plans to do, remount the, um, the shared stories play again, uh, only because of the infrastructure it takes. Um, but it's something that we would love to figure out how to do, but would take financial infrastructure as well as physical infrastructure. <laughs> But like through this partnership, this has enabled for me that each year I want to do a partnership of yeah. some sort. Um, so it may not specifically be with the sixth floor, but with that resource of having Ani, now I know I can work in whatever capacity with the LBJ library, even though they're far, I have a scholar, I have resources, I've visited, I have images um, that I can utilize in whatever way I need to for Project Discovery this year. And we were just talking before we started about a possibility for this coming spring. Mm -hmm. For the two of them. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm so glad that I brought them together she to did. on this panel. Arnie's magic. Um, so we're after 515. Um, if there are any other questions, please let us know. Our contact information is up there. Thanks so much for coming and staying. And um, I'll see you for drinks later. <laughs>